You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. If this is your first time uh, joining us for From the Field, typically I am joined by my best friend, my executive pastor, and the president of MyXP, uh, a ministry that we run together providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Uh, but today is going to be a little bit different. For those of you that have been uh, following my ministry for a, uh, any season of time, you know that I used to host uh, another podcast called In the Room, which was long-form interviews with pastors, authors, artists um, about uh, any number of topics that they would have written about, thought about, uh, or been leading in. And uh, a few months ago, I stopped doing that podcast to really focus attention on From the Field, but I still really love and miss those conversations from time to time. And so occasionally, we're going to mix in a special episode into From the Field uh, that is me having a long-form conversation uh, with someone, typically authors that have written on uh, a topic that we might uh, that we think might be of benefit to our listeners uh, from the field. And so this week, we actually have that for you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down to have a conversation with my friend Jan Rosga. Jan has written a brand new book called Raw Survival, A Practical Guide to Living Through Loss. Uh, Jan, who um, I guess as many of you are not familiar with, um, has experienced um, what I would say is probably the single greatest fear of any parent, which is losing a child. And uh, I'm not going to get into that right now in this introduction. I want you to actually be able to hear her tell her story. Uh, But she has survived what may just be the greatest of losses and somehow has maintained faith through that, has maintained her marriage through that, has continued to be a faithful mother uh, to her other son. And uh, and by God's grace, she's taken this um, terrible, tragic loss that she's experienced, and she's turned it into a really significant ministry. And so uh, it was an honor to be able to sit down and talk to her, to hear her story again, uh, to be able to talk about this book, to talk about some of the lessons that she's learned about grief and loss and how to walk through that. And so I'm excited for you to be able to listen in to this conversation. I pray that it's a blessing to you, especially, you know, those of us who are ministry leaders. Um, We're going to experience loss and grief ourselves, but we also are tasked with the responsibility of walking with people uh, who are also experiencing grief and loss. And so I think there's a lot that we can all learn uh, from Jan. So without further ado, here is my conversation about raw survival with my friend, Jan Rosga. Well, Jan, thank you so much for coming on from the field. Uh, you're the you're the first of what I hope will be uh, many uh, other conversations. You know, usually it's just me and Tyler. Uh, and I have to think people get sick of hearing us. So my guess is you're going to come as a breath of fresh air uh, to anyone who is still listening to our podcast. So thanks for giving us your time today. Thank you very much. 
Well, I want to start with you because I think that there's a good possibility that the vast majority, other than Dan, who I'm sure Dan listens to from the field. So Dan knows who you are, your son, (laughs) but outside Dan, I think most people are not going to know who you are. So I would love to just start with your background and who you are. So why don't we just go back to the very beginning? Talk to me about where you're from, where you were born, your home makeup growing up, what that was like. Let's go back to the beginning before we fast forward to where we are today. Yes. Well, um, I'm from Iowa, born okay. and raised. You lived there your whole life, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, born in Bedford, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, my my dad was, uh, he, he's a retired Hy-Vee grocery store guy. Okay. Um, it's a large chore, uh, store chain in the yeah. Midwest. And uh, anyway, um, he was a manager and kind of, he started when he was a kid and um, we moved around a little bit because ultimately, uh-huh. I mean, he ended up retiring as a, as a VP, uh, senior vice president. So okay. we moved around a bit. So we were in Cedar Rapids, mm-hmm. um, for most of my childhood, we moved to Kirksville, Missouri for a few years where he managed to store there and then moved back to Cedar Rapids. Okay. And I did get a puppy, um, <laughs> and, uh, a phone in my room because oh, of that. Wow. Movie. That's a big so, deal. Yeah. Every once in a while, my dad was in the military. And so as a kid, as you get moved around, you have to take advantage of the very few things. And so if you got a puppy and a phone, you did better than I did on most of our moves. So did you have siblings growing up or were you an only child? Uh, I have an older brother. So okay. he's seven years older than I am. Oh, okay. And so, just, yeah, so just the two of us. Okay. Yeah. And did you guys grow up? I don't actually know this, but did you grow up in, uh, of like, was faith a big part of your family growing up? Were your parents churchgoers? Were you raised in a Christian home or did that come later in life for you? You know, um, th- we were churchgoers. I mean, we went to church, um, pers- you know, my brother being seven years older, he was out of the house. Right. Um, you know, we overlapped a little bit, but, um, but yeah, we went to church every Sunday. Uh, mom and dad were involved in the church. Um, so that's, yeah, that's part of, part of my journey. That's awesome. And then, and you've, how many years have you been married now? 33, just this Amazing. month. That's incredible. So, and yeah. how did you guys meet? We met at work, actually. Mike is a Wisconsin guy. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and I was working in, in Des Moines mm-hmm. and uh, this new guy came in and it was, it was him and yeah, we met and I guess the rest is history. Yeah. That's how Tammy and I met as well was I was working at Starbucks and she came in and she got hired. And I remember the day that she came in interviewed and, uh, she came to the bar and said, Hey, my name is Tammy. I just got hired here. And then she left and I went straight to the back and I thanked our manager. I was just so, <laughs> so excited about this new hire. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> well, you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to talk about uh, this book you've written, Raw Survival, especially because I've, I've had, I think, such a unique vantage point from which to watch this project for you. You know, like I, I was privileged to have some conversations with you very early on in mm-hmm. the process before you had published and, and done all of that. Um, I've also been friends with or pastor to your son, Dan, for, for many years. And so- yes. Uh, I feel like uh, I've, I've gotten to just see into this in a very unique way. So I really do want you to know it's a huge honor to be able to, to be with you now here at the finish line where you've, you, you've gotten it all done and now the book is out in the world. And so I just want to talk about 
where, where you landed on this and how this all came together. And okay. so, so the full title for people is raw survival, a practical guide to living through loss. And so, um, sadly it's really every parent's greatest nightmare that gave birth to this book. And, and so I was wondering if we could just start by you taking us back to where this book came from and, and then, you know, specifically the tragedy that you guys experienced as a family that has now led to this book that I'm confident is going to be a blessing to many. Well, um, David, um, what I'll start in the spring of 2020, okay. 2010, rather, um, yeah. David um, was a senior. He had senioritis. And David your is your son, yeah. The older son. Yep. Oldest yep. Son. Yes. So we were preparing for, for David to graduate. Everyone was on cloud nine. Um, uh-huh. Daniel, his younger brother, was more mm-hmm. concerned about the vehicle situation. Like, mm-hmm. would Daniel get David's car right. left or what? Um, but um, yeah, so we were, you know, we were scrambling to prepare for family and for his open house celebration. Um and we had a wonderful time. It was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And we had family fi- pictures taken. Um, I took so many photos that day. David greeted and hugged each one mm-hmm. um, as they came. And uh, it was wonderful. And a week later, uh, he was with some friends and they mm-hmm. were in a celebratory mood, some other mm-hmm. seniors he graduated mm-hmm. with. And they decided they were going to smoke a synthetic drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, called K2. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly, this thing was supposed to mimic marijuana, okay. um, but give them a, a, a legal option. Um, so a few of the boys went to a mall, nearby mall, purchased it there. Um, David had just come home from a, a, a graduation celebration with his girlfriend in, in the St. Louis area. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went out and later that day, you know, we were going to hang out together, all of us, but when he was with his friends, that's that, well, that's when they decided to smoke him. Mm-hmm. So they did. And David reacted in a horrible way. Um, mm-hmm. he told his friends, he felt like he was in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a Christian young man to talk like that, yeah. you know, it wasn't like he, he said, I, I feel like crap or right. Right. It, I feel like I'm in hell. Right, so like he tormented was really, almost. I was just going to say that he was being yeah. tormented. Yeah. And so he just, he said, I'm just going to go home and, uh, and take a nap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, so I, I, and I hadn't talked to him about his trip, his St. Louis trip yet. So I, I had, I had heard the car door and thought, Oh, he's home. And I was on a phone call with a friend out on our deck and, um, and I heard a pop. Um, well, I should say prior to that, he mm-hmm. was walking outside and I did glance at him and mm-hmm. I said, Hey, what are you doing? And he kind of twirled his, his finger and just like walking around mm-hmm. nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So, was, and so then shortly after that, I heard the pop and, um, then I thought, well, he was in Missouri. He's mm-hmm. purchased fireworks before. This is not unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just had a sinking feeling after a few minutes. And so I began to call his name uh, slowly at first, more frantically. um, And then the smell hit me of of the gunpowder. And 
I went downstairs and I discovered what happened. So that was it. I mean, mm-hmm. boom, our, our life was forever changed. Um, and for, for me, any future, really, I think for all of us of any future life and any, any hope and contentment in the future was, was pretty much on a string. Jeez. Well, man, I have so many questions that come out of that, but I, I think, I think it's really important to, um, to, um, do what you've done, which is to experience a tragedy like this and, and then to essentially, I mean, in a very real way, willingly share that with the world is a, is a really, really big deal. And so even just sitting here and sharing that story with me, um, you don't owe the retelling and the reliving of that story to anyone. And so for what it's worth, I, I just want to say thank you for your willingness to, to share it and then to take it and, to write this book out of it that that can be a guide that I would guess in many ways you did not have when you were walking through it. No, no. And and so that's that's what this is. I I am curious about like what it what has it been like for you personally to take your most traumatic experience and then essentially turn it into your life's ministry. Just, just, I mean, like emotionally, mentally, spiritually, what, what has this journey been like for you to be, to, to choose to do that? It, it, you know, and I don't even know if I have words that Mm -hmm. would, that would, uh, that I could describe that well enough. Um, I never intended on writing a book. Um, I, you know, a few months after we lost David, I sat in front of the computer and thought, you know, I'm just going to journal and pour out my heart Mm -hmm. and, uh, it'll be for my eyes only. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope it will be therapeutic and I hope it will help in my healing. Truthfully, I had no expectations. Mm -hmm. I just thought I'm going to throw that in the hat, throw, Mm -hmm. you know, throw my hat in the ring. Just Mm going to try it. Um, at that point it began, uh, well, God showed up in, yeah. in miraculous ways, um, as weak and, and fragile as I was, um, God showed up and, and scriptures started coming to my mind that I had been taught for years. And really for the first time, they just became so relevant, mm-hmm. um, as if God was like, you know what, this is for you right now. Like he was spoon feeding me very lovingly and gently, um, and so really that began the process that, well, actually that began a ministry because people would say, how, how are you getting through it? And of course mm-hmm. I tell them, you know, I'm clinging to God for, with everything I have in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, I had some, some words that I could share with people mm-hmm. um, to say, oh, I remember feeling that way. And, and if you, I, I could share that with you, if you, if you want, and they'd be like, yeah, email me. So mm-hmm it became a ministry um, and then eventually would become the inspiration for Ross revival. So Mm -hmm. just incredible. I could have never, never imagined. What, what, I mean, I mean, so, you know, I wrote a book, mine's on sermon preparation and, uh, Mm -hmm. and that was a pain to write, to write that (laughs) mentally. Um, But I, I just, this has to have been such a, a, a terribly emotional process for you in a sense that you were, you, I mean, I know when you write a book, you're going over and over and over and over this. 
and was, uh, I'm, I'm sure that was taxing, but was there an aspect of that, that, that you found more healing in, in working through this, or was it just, just this, like, almost like this PTSD of having to relive this mm-hmm. over and over and over again, or was it both? It was all the above and, and more, um, wow. you know, I'm looking at maybe six, three ring binders that are filled with wow. my heart, my mm. broken pieces. And so, um, worked with a very good friend, uh, who my editor, who, uh, helped me to kind of piece everything together and kind uh-huh. of organize. I couldn't do it on my own. I mm-hmm. don't have that capability. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, you know, here's the subject matter. Here's what I'm going to write about. So I would literally just page and spill through my, my journals to try to find things that, mm-hmm. that were relevant to, to this. And I did relive it mm-hmm. and it was hard and it was so emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to walk away from it oft- often. Yeah. I also felt just tremendous awe in the fact that, you know, I have on paper my journey. Mm-hmm. I also have on my, my, my journal, how God has gotten me through it. Mm-hmm. So as I searched my journal entries to, to write different parts of the book, I also saw my growth. I saw yeah. God's hand in it. Um, and it was just very humbling. And I was just so thankful and, and just praised God yeah. for it. Yeah. I've told my church, man, if there, if there was one, one practice that I could mandate for every follower of Jesus, it would be journaling um, because of the way that it, it keeps record of, yeah, because of everything you just said, but primarily because of the record of one's journey that it keeps. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, another lesson from this is you may write a book out of it. So if you're not journaling, start journaling. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was, believe me, that was not, I thought, yeah, that was I'm not your intent. I'm going to yeah. write a book later. <clears throat> right. No, no. Last, last thing on my mind. Which I, I think is one of the reasons that um, your book is, has such a genuine uh, heartfelt tone to it. Um, I remember when you sent me an earlier manuscript than the one I, the book I have sitting in front of me now. And I, it, it reads, especially the first section reads so much like a memoir that it was, I mean, I sat here in my study where I'm recording and had a real solid cry reading through this, this story because of how it does just very much come out of your own, your own journey. But I I do want to talk about the way that the book has come together. So um, um, beautifully, it is a very, the, it's subtitled very well. It, it is very much a practical guide for walking through grief. And you break these sections down. You have uh, like the first day, surviving the first day, surviving the first year, and then survival as a way of life. And mm-hmm. so I was wondering if you could tell me a, just a bit uh, about each of those and maybe how, what, what was it like? What is it like for that survival through grief, how does it change with time? Cause it, it never, I know the pain of it never goes away. And I think that's something that when we're in grief, we get very fixated on is when is mm-hmm. the, when is the pain going to go away? And I don't know that it goes away, but that it does change over time. And so maybe just kind of walk through what are those first days, weeks, months, and then years like. Um, it was, it, it was important um, to, to be raw about mm-hmm. everything and, mm-hmm. and the process, because it is a process yeah. and 
it was important for people to see um, this journey may be in, in ways similar to what they're going through mm-hmm. um, in their early days and in their, you know, yeah. um, that whole first year and, and beyond. Um, I, I would say that I had to paint that picture and um, to give people that, that devastation mm-hmm. and that horrificness mm-hmm. in order to lead them and guide them to, sure, you know, surviving it. Um, yeah. So I share about the early days and yep. I share um, uh, about that day. I don't share much about it mm-hmm. um, other than here's what happened. Just a brief snippet. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's between me and David and God. Um, yeah. but, uh, I don't know. I, I just wanted to share the, the mm-hmm. process. A, a lot of times when people are going through a loss, a significant yeah. loss, um, they feel so many different things and, mm-hmm. and they may not verbalize it, but part of the time they think, well, that's weird. I'm feeling that way, or that's weird. I'm feeling that way. So it was important for me to share what I did so that the reader could say, okay, I felt that way. I'm not yeah. weird after all, you right. know? Right. Um, so, and I don't know if I, maybe I didn't answer your question the way you, you wanted no, no, no. me That's, to. No, I, I, I think, I think it, one of the worst things that could happen in trying to walk with people through grief in, in not being, in not really practicing full disclosure in that you run the risk of, of, because there's shame involved in grief too, mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. think, well, I shouldn't be feeling this or, and, and so right. to know that another has, I think validates the fact that no, this is absolutely a normative part. And so it's to be commended that you were willing to, to be as transparent as you were. I am curious about like, when you think about <clears throat> maybe those, um, those early days, weeks, months, right after mm-hmm. what did what did getting through the day, what did that require of you? Like if, if you had to, if you had to think in bullets of like, here are the practices that were present though, though it's not like you sat down and you had like this intentional plan for you just getting through it is, is surviving it. But when you look back now, what would you say are the early practices that were the most beneficial in helping sustain you through such a dark and, and, and difficult time? Well, I was in a, such a, uh, such a grief fog. Um, nothing felt right mm-hmm. around me. And, um, I just, I prayed that sounds so churchish, uh-huh. but I did, mm-hmm. you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James four, eight. Mm-hmm. I did that every day, many times a day. Mm-hmm. And literally that's all I could do. I couldn't go to Mike for my comfort. Although, you know, we talked, Mm-hmm. And, and we did comfort one another. Yes, we were there for one another. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's between you and God. Mm-hmm. And so I just prayed. That was, that was just all I could do. Mm-hmm. Can, I ask you, can I ask you about the tone of those early prayers? You know, like how I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, <laughs> my guess is that all, all of the uh, kind of churchy, uh, sort of righteous sounding 
language that fills so much of our prayer lives. My guess is grief has a way of, of just wiping that all away. Is that accurate? And they become more, 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 uh, I mean, you're speaking from a place of pain and anger and, and all of this where, is that what flooded your prayers? Oh gosh. Yeah. And they fluctuated. Uh huh. They, they flooded frequently Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it, it, they went from just desperation to, you know what? Some might think I was a sailor, you yeah. know? I mean, right. I mean, honestly, yeah. if, if you're honest and, and God can handle that. He can Mm -hmm. handle that. Um, But uh, when you're, I was just as desperate as I've ever been Mm -hmm. and um, as down and empty and hopeless and, and more. Yeah. And so I knew who God was. Mm -hmm. I knew what I'd been taught, but I really had to ask myself, do I believe that what I really believe is what I believe? Hmm. And I, kind of said, okay, yes, I do believe it. I do believe, you know, Lord, you're, you're faithful. You're going to get me through it. I can't feel you now, but I know you're there. I know you're there. So I just kept on praying Mm -hmm. and waiting. Mm -hmm. What, what was the, uh, you know, you hear stories like this and so often the, uh, the result of them is that, that the marriage that was dissolves and divorce is very common after a tragedy like this. And so I wonder how, what, what, what was it like maritally in your relationship with Mike? How did you stay together in, in, in the wake of this? Grief is so invasive. I mean, a a lot of things are in marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's take your pick, you know, Mm -hmm. um, we just, we went to counseling right away. Um, we, we went to Christian counseling and he told us, you know, communicate, 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 be there for each other. You're not going to be on the same page all the time. That's okay. But just talk, talk Mm -hmm. it out. And so we did, we Mm -hmm. spent, we got so close and one time on our deck, I mean, early on, I just, I, I, I stood in front of him and I said, okay, I need to know that if at any point you don't want to be with me anymore, that you, that you're done with me, you can't handle being married. It's the grief is too much for you. Mm -hmm. Please be man enough to just tell me just, I I don't want other stuff Mm -hmm. to, you know, I don't want anything else on top of this, but I would Mm -hmm. rather you be honest with me. Mm. And right away he said, we're going to be okay. Wow. And you know, it wasn't until later I began to realize that, you know, that was very telling because he was in the exact same boat as me. He might've felt the same way about me, wanted right. to ask me the same thing, but, but didn't. Um, he knew how vulnerable we were, but I really feel like he had a, a mustard seed mm-hmm. and he just, he knew God was going to get us through it. Didn't know how didn't know how hard it would be, no idea what it was going to look like, Yeah, but he knew God was going to get us through it. And so that was, uh, that was very precious. That was a precious moment. Hmm. You know, one of the things that I think about, um, this, I mean this, and I'm sure that this is common for all parents, but, but genuinely this experience is, 
is by far my, my greatest fear in all of life. And it's, and I've prayed honestly with God about it. Like, Lord, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I can, I can get through anything with you. This is the one area where I'm like, I'm not so sure. Um, and, uh, so when, and one of the things I think about is that, that like, that I think about so much the day after the tragedy and the loss where life just keeps going and you still have Dan and you still have to be, uh, you know, you're still married, you still have a kid, you still have a life that you're trying to survive and get through. So when you think about, you know, Lord willing, I mean, obviously not everyone's going to experience your specific story and tragedy, but we're all going to experience loss and grief. Any, any thoughts on parenting specifically through a season of loss and grief and, and how, how to, to do that, how to care for others in your life that are you're responsible for that are also hurting and also grieving. And cause I just think about, you know, when I, if, if, if I were to hang a word over the last 18 months, you know, it would probably be loss. I think everyone has experienced varying degrees and various expressions of loss. And so I think beneath so much of the rage and, uh, and, uh, languishing and depression that people are experiencing right now is this grief that so many people are carrying because of how much has been lost over the last 18 months. And so how, how do you care for people you're responsible for while grieving yourself? It is challenging um, because you're kind of selfishly thinking about yourself. Sure. Um, you do think about, you know, I thought about Daniel and I thought yeah. about mine too, but I thought, I don't have it. I got nothing here. My tank's people. empty. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, we just, I mean, we sat Daniel down and said, you have to have people to talk with. This is mm -hmm. non-negotiable. So who are your good friends? You know, you can talk to, to our, our youth pastor, you can talk to us, but when you want to talk and when you feel it, the best thing to do is just right in that moment, get a hold of somebody. Mm -hmm. And I reminded him so many times, um, one moment that was just, I thought was very insightful because Daniel was 15 mm -hmm. when he lost his brother. Right. Um, I had said, you know, Daniel, any, anytime you want to we're, we're around, I know mom, anytime you want to just interrupt, I'm on the phone, you interrupt anytime we'll, we'll drop everything. I know mom, if you need to come in our bedroom and you need to sleep on the floor, you know, I know mom, you mm -hmm. told me that, but then he said, I'll tell you what, if you need me to come in and sleep on your bedroom floor, you let me know. And I thought, Oh my, I mean, honestly, mm -hmm. a 15 year old yeah, child. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just, Oh my goodness. Um, the wisdom that God gave Daniel at such a young age mm -hmm. and how, how God guarded his heart is mm -hmm. just quite extraordinary. Um, but yeah, well, I kind of ramble, but yes, to, to answer your question, it's hard, mm -hmm. it's necessary. Um, and I told myself, you can fall apart later. Mm -hmm. You can fall apart later. You yeah. just need to, you know, um, I was afraid I wouldn't be able to give him what he needed. Yeah. And really his journey is no different than mine or Mike's. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's 
how he clings to the Lord and how yeah. he, you know, how he surrenders. Is he going to surrender this to God? Yeah. Um, so I think it was that that's, heartbreaking. Yeah. But I think that that's such an important point that you made in talking about marriage and now talking about as a parent as well, that no, no, no person or even people, a community, while that's a critical component to walking through a season of grief and loss that I'll ask you more about in a few minutes, it, no one can carry you it, like by themselves. Like that really is like, you have to take responsibility to some, to some degree for like, God and I are going to walk through this together. He's the only one that will fully sustain me through. And I think knowing that as a parent, knowing that as a spouse, knowing that as a friend, I think there's an important release of that that allows you to be present and to be available, but to not carry the weight of, I have to save this person. Cause I think that's a crushing weight that only God can carry. Yeah. It's, you can't put that on yourself. You, you just can't, you just have to be available yeah. and you just have to be present. Yeah. I so there's one thing I want to add about marriage. Yeah. I yeah. mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, you know, when tragedy happens, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. um, in our case, losing David, mm-hmm. uh, all the issues that you had prior to losing all, all of our issues that we had prior to losing David, mm-hmm. they were still there. Yeah. And there's a chapter in the book called simmering pots, hmm. um, which that's kind of our focus was on each other and it was on Daniel and it yep. was just on our grief and everything else. The issues that we had in our marriage prior to losing David were put on the back burner mm-hmm. and um, bad attitude. I didn't care. Yeah. They were not important. Mm-hmm. Uh, not at that time. Right. Um, but there does come a time when you have to revisit those and that's hard to do when you're grieving and it, be, it can become very frustrating, um, to each other, yeah. <laughs> um, to kind of talk about stuff like, because, you know, I know for me, it was like, really, we're going to go back over that. We just lost our son. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, this needs to be a priority. Well, yeah, I learned the marriage has to be a priority too. Yeah. That's so that's uh, I mean, talented. kind of on that topic, one of the things I really like about the way that you structured raw survival is sort of that latter half is you addressing and speaking into what read to me, like so many of the uh, lies, I think is probably not too strong of a word that people believe yes. or that hear as they walk through grief. And so you kind of speak truth to them. So we've talked a little bit about like, you know, I think one of those is this is uh, shame. Like I shouldn't be feeling certain things or there's something mm-hmm. weird or unhealthy about the fact that I'm feeling these things. And so you speak into those, what would you say? Um, I mean, you've got, I didn't even count them, but there's like 20 uh, of those. Um, what would you say are some of the most common lies that grieving people believe? Uh, well, I, I wrote one down because, well, at first, initially the truth companion is this resource you're talking about at the the end. Yep. And after each chapter, um, it, it will say, if, you know, if you struggle with this, like I can't pray, go to this page the truth companion. And so it's, it's really equips the reader. And that was one thing that was very important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that 
I'm going to try to find this here. One of the very first lies um, that I dealt with was that your son is dead. You Mm -hmm. can't pray. You can't pray about it. He's dead. Mm -hmm. He's gone. My shoulders would absolutely just fall. Mm -hmm. Um, And I couldn't pray. It really was hard to pray. Mm -hmm. Um, But the truth of the matter is that the Holy Spirit understands every single groan Mm -hmm. I've already spoken to him. Um, So God hears every cry and every groan. And I don't have to go to him and be um, eloquent in mm-hmm. my prayer. That's good. And if I'm too weak to pray, that's okay. Yeah. Because he hears it anyway. That was huge for me. It really was. And I've known that scripture for a long time. Yeah. You know, so the scriptures that we once, well, but I think collectively, you know, you, you read and you think, oh, that's a great scripture. Um, but it really made me stop and think, and have, have I been not relying on the scripture, just mm-hmm. reading it, but not relying on it. I mean, really? Um, so those were, yeah. Combating those lies with scripture is, is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the majority of our audience with, from the field is ministry leaders and pastors. And, um, and so I'm curious kind of looking at this now shifting away from kind of where we've been on, on the personal front to looking at, at being a person who is going to help walk with others through their grief. Um, when you think about, um, you know, especially, I mean, as ministry leaders, walking with people through their seasons of grief is, is one of the primary um, practices in the pastor's life. But when you think about that, I, I, I'm not sure what your experience, it seems to me you had a good, a good church family around you and good pastors around you. And so that's a tremendous gift. But if you maybe even just imagine what some of the biggest mistakes that ministry leaders could make in walking with others through these seasons of grief, is there anything that comes to mind for you that you would counsel by way of don't do this, do this? Um, I would say um, be present. Um, I would also, before that, I would say don't practice what you're going to say. Don't have scriptures mm-hmm. ready yet, yeah. yet. Um they, a lot of times that I've heard this from other people, people will say, well, you know, all things work, you know, I mean, just all the, all the scriptures that are true, but are not helpful in the moment. And so I would say first and foremost, be present and just listen Mm -hmm. and, um, and pray with them. Just kind of let them, let them go through that. Um, I don't think there's a strategy for success when, when meeting with someone really other, other than that. Um, I had, I had made a note because I wanted to mention this too. Yeah. But as far as, as far as those scriptures go, the truth is they're not going to be able to absorb any of that. Right. Um, they're not going to be able to absorb much of anything. Um, some people might, some people mm-hmm. might be open to that. Um, for me personally, no. Um, so, you know, not even the most, you know, logical uh, mm-hmm. scriptures will, will be fitting um, at that time. So 
I'm repeating myself. So just yeah. be, you know, just be present. Um, and also offer, offer suggestions as to how to get help. I mean, and I think most pastors do this, you know, we have a counselor that works out of our office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, you know, our staff will say, Hey, you know, contact them. Um, and so, that's important, you know, recommending, having a list of things to recommend. So counseling, mm-hmm. um, if they're married with their spouse, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of magic. No, I think, no, I think, I think that, I mean, I've, I've heard it said, and I have found this to be true. Uh, specifically for, uh, and I think this is not just true for pastors, but it's true for anyone. But but in in these moments of tremendous grief and pain, people do not remember what you said. They remember that you were there. And so right. the presence piece, I think, I, I would say the biggest mistake I would I think that ministry leaders could make is to not be there for those moments to to some degree. And and you have to know what is appropriate whether that's physical presence or a phone call or whatever it might be. But I just think people remember presence much more than I, you used the term earlier, I think a grief fog. Is that what you called it? Yes. Uh Yeah. And I just, I mean, I, that's what it feels like. And when you're in that, you're not able to absorb, hear, process anything other than the fact that like your entire, all your systems are just saying like, I'm, I'm in horrific pain. And so what you do remember is that someone was there with you in the midst of that. So I, I think that that's really tremendous advice. Yeah. I, and you know, we, uh, another, a ministry that, uh, I, it, that it's amazing is grief share okay. and, um, griefshare.org. Um, we offer that at our churches for, it's for people who have suffered the loss, uh, of a loved one, uh, whoever that relationship mm-hmm. is, um, not for other losses, like the loss of a pet or the or, or a divorce, that kind of thing. There are other ministries for that. Okay. Um, but uh, Grief Share is an incredible ministry, and people can, you know, you can jump on griefshare.org. You can punch in your zip code, and they'll okay. tell you what meetings are going on. Okay. Um, some people are ready to jump in right mm-hmm. away, and others have to wait. It's yeah. and then that's okay. Yeah. But uh, that's a wonderful ministry. Okay. Well, just, just, I was thinking as kind of a, a way to wrap this up, how, how do you, I have found like, so just in my own life, uh, grief has been something that is, is very hard for me to, to understand, um, being in therapy the last couple of years. It's one of the things that I've had to learn how to think about and how to, and how to grieve, you know, I, I knew what grief was, but how to grieve was not something that I didn't even really have a category for what that even meant. And so I had all of this unprocessed pain of the past that I had not grieved that I've had to now, you know, some 30 years later, really Mm -hmm. go back and learn to grieve some of these things that I had repressed and just sort of turned the page on. And I find that, um, oftentimes it's, so there's a lot of Christians that don't grieve well and that we're not taught how to steward our grief, which is so much of what your book is, but just by way of kind of a closing thought, what would be, you know, one, or maybe even two of the, the biggest things you would want people to know about stewarding grief as a follower of Jesus. 
Well, I think, you know, initially when we met with our pastor, he said, I'm glad you're here or our, our counselor. rather. Uh-huh. He said, I'm, so glad, I'm glad you're here because I see people who have experienced loss years ago yeah. that are just now coming in. So, you know, you can pretend you have, you know, a, a, a handle on it, but you can't phone it in. I mean, it really does require hard work and mm-hmm. it requires going deeper than you've Mm -hmm. ever gone before. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for people to go deep. It Mm -hmm. is, it is, it exposes a lot. Yeah. And why go there, you know? And so, um, but it's worth digging deep and, and truthfully, I think surrendering to God and knowing and knowing that there is a purpose to your pain and that he will use it. He will strengthen your faith and your relationship with him and prepare you to help others who mm-hmm. have experienced the same thing, giving them the same comfort that God has given you. Mm-hmm. And so don't wait. I mean, just tackle it. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It that's really good. good. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's probably been one of the biggest lessons of the last two years of my life is, uh, that just because you, just because you stuff it, just because you repress it, just because you turn the page on it and, and quote unquote, move on doesn't mean that it's not there. And the lesson that, that I learned was, because I, I, I refer to it as like, I just used to turn the page when I would, when I would go through something difficult mm-hmm. turn the page and I'm on to the next chapter, but I didn't process any of it. And that worked really well until it didn't. Right. And, and it wasn't gradual. It was like, slamming into a brick wall where Mm. all of this started to surface. And so it's so important for people to understand that, like, make no mistake that that unprocessed pain is going to surface and it doesn't just go away. It has to really be worked through. And so I think the counsel to, to, to see it as work and to approach it as work is just very, very, it's sobering. I know, Mm -hmm. Um, but it, but it's wise because it's true. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to, I want to thank you again. The book again is raw survival, a practical guide to living through loss. And, um, this is such a, uh, a tremendous gift to so many that you would be intentional about. I heard Erwin McManus one time say that God wants to turn our misery into ministry. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen probably a truer expression of that sentiment than your work with this book. And so I want to thank you for, Mm -hmm. for for doing that. And I think that everyone at some point who reads this book is going to want to thank you for being a faithful friend and guide through such a difficult time. And thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. Thank you very much. 